Navigating Business Podcast, where we dive into the lives and stories of small business owners from around the country to learn what's worked, what hasn't, and everything else in between. Our goal here is to share as much high-quality business information as possible. And the best part is, it's all by business owners for business owners. Everything here is all about small business. We're here today with Dan Feetsum, Principal and CCO of the Lotus Coterie. Dan describes the Lotus Coterie as world-class creative without the world-class overhead. And Dan is also an expert in brand building, storytelling, agency leadership, writing, music, presentation, and production. Dan, is that it? That's, that's a lot of things to be an expert in. I love it. That's impressive. <laughs> uh, yeah, so far, so far. We still have time, though. Come on. That's great. No, that's, that's awesome. Very, very wide ranging. But Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. How's it going? Good, Nate. Thank you. I'm very flattered to be featured and very excited to talk to you today. Yeah, thanks for coming. We're excited to learn about you and a little bit more about being a creative director and a a CCO and all that great side of things. I love talking to people who are very creative because it's pretty opposite from my range of doing things, which is a little bit more numbers-based and such. So I'm excited to see your perspective. So tell us a little bit about yourself and about the Lotus Coterie. Yeah. Well, thank you for the intro. I appreciate that. So yeah, I have been in the advertising business for a pretty long time. To go kind of back in my story, I grew up in St. Louis area, migrated to Chicago to go to graduate school at um, Northwestern in the Medill, now called the Integrated Marketing Communications Program. It's just called the Masters in Advertising. And that got me to Chicago and got me into advertising and, and learning about the agency business when I was there in graduate school. And with the proximity of being in school in Evanston to Chicago, there's a really robust advertising agency business here in Chicago, obviously in New York and Chicago, Los Angeles. So it was great because you know, you make a lot of connections and, and network right away while you're in graduate school. So I kind of hit the ground running, which is really fantastic. And while I was in graduate school, I had kind of, I didn't know really very much about the agency business when I came in, but learned the different disciplines within an agency, which to oversimplify is um, broken down into creative media media buying and planning and strategy, strategy development, and then what's called an account executive, which is a person that manages the client and the accounts. So those were all the different disciplines and I kind of connected immediately, identified a little bit more. I wanted to be a creative, which the graduate school isn't really necessary to do that, but it's kind of when I figured out I wanted to do that anyway. I put together a portfolio, which you need to do, creative portfolio of example ads, you know, to show my, my copywriting and my conceptual abilities and my design sensibilities. And I kind of hit the sidewalk in Chicago and went around to the different agencies. And I fortunately landed a copywriting job a couple months out of school at Ogilvy and Mather, which is a, a pretty big agency. And they had the Sears account, which was back then gigantic. (laughs) 
a long time ago again. Things have changed. Things have changed. And that was really great because I got right on to, it's a retail. You have to turn around and create it pretty quickly. And, and it was a good learning experience for me. So the, yeah, that was kind of my entryway into sh- both Chicago and the advertising business. And then, you know, I had a, from there, creative side of the advertising agency business is a, there's a lot of movement. The tenure of of a creative at an agency isn't really that long. They tend mostly move move around to different agencies. And I did that. And then I moved to Leo Burnett and DDB and BBDO and all the letters is what I like to say. Yeah, all the acronyms. <laughs> did all the letters in Chicago. And, you know, big accounts, Wrigley and Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light and got to do Super Bowl commercials and really had a great time in the business and, and kind of you know, migrated from copywriting into more managerial and leadership positions, like being creative director, where you are not only doing the copywriting, but you're also kind of interfacing with the clients more and, and thinking about strategy and, and leading other creatives. And eventually, I was a chief creative officer at both BBDO, at BBDO, and then an executive creative director at FCB, where you're running pretty much the whole agency. After that, plenty of experience, I moved into doing my own thing, which the heart, I've always loved the core of the business from the creative perspective, which to me is sitting down with a client, learning about their business, understanding what they want their business to be about and how they want to communicate it to people kind of looking at what their business problems are, what challenges they have mm-hmm. with that and coming up with creative ideas to, to, to either solve those problems or help their business. And I love that. I, I've always loved doing that. And, you know, doing my own thing allows me to get kind of back to just doing that on a on a much simpler organizational level. You know, I don't have to worry about managing a giant ad agency or creative departments and and deal with a lot of the internal things that come with that, that aren't necessarily creative problem solving. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I get to do that and I love it. What I do, part of my business model is to bring teams of various disciplines together on whatever product project or problem I'm working on. So I don't have staff per se. I just have a really robust network that I tap into a pretty senior level creative people that I can bring up, bring around a project for a client. So it's better for the clients, you know, to work like that. Right. That's really cool. Yeah. I oftentimes think about business from a CFO perspective, right? From the financial side, from kind of that viewpoint in, in the analysis with that. And it's, it's fun talking to you when you're thinking about it from the CCO side and the creative side and directing all of that. So when you're thinking about, you know, working with a, a business, you know, or a CEO or, or the business owner, whatever position they're in, what kind of, and, and you, you got into this a little bit, but could you get into more detail? You know, what is, what is working with a creative director bring to a business with both the strategy in the marketing and branding side of things? And also just like, what are the, what are the kind of the responsibilities and the things that you're, you're taking off of their plate? Yeah, for sure. You know, it depends a little bit on the size and the scope of a client, but there's some kind of universal, universal answers to that question. So 
your business, whatever size it is, is going to need to have an identity and present itself to your audience, to your consumers, to the people that you want to get business from, right? I mean, that's just kind of going to be true across any product or any service. So, you know, there are creative decisions being made about your business and your brand, and that's what I can come in and help with. They're going to happen no matter what. Part of what I pitch, and it's on the way I set my business up on my website, is like, Every business needs a creative director. You're making creative decisions about your business no matter what. What I've seen in my experience is that the brands and the businesses that pay attention and really focus and have people focus on their creative expressions tend to be more valuable in the marketplace. You know, they have a visual identity. They have a strong visual identity. They have a consistent point of view. They have a way, Mm -hmm. they have a tone of voice, all those kind of communication disciplines. That's what I come in and and help a, a business with. And, you know, CEOs are usually astute enough to know that they need that stuff, but that's not their, you know, that's not their area of expertise. Right. Or do they have time to do that? It resonates a lot with me when you're saying those decisions are going to happen either way. You know, whether you whether you think they're happening or not, they're going to happen. Whether you're working with someone who is strong on the creative side or not, I mean, I think about that. You know, with businesses businesses I talk about on the bookkeeping side and the financial side, it's the same thing, right? You're going to make those financial decisions either way. You have to make them. The question is just whether you have someone else there helping you through them. And on the creative side. I know that I've made a lot of decisions creatively that you know have not been the best. So I love that. I think that's that's really powerful. Dan, you, you mentioned branding and, and brand strategy. What does branding mean to you? And what does that mean to a small business when it's well thought out as well? Great question. So I'm going to answer that question by telling you what I see and what my experience has been. Okay. So a lot of clients that aren't necessarily an Anheuser-Busch or a Wrigley or a Kellogg's, often I'll get into a conversation with a prospective client of, they will be asking for a specific tactic, like we need a new logo, or we need a a website, or we need a video, or we need a brochure, right? Kind of the common elements that everybody thinks of when you think of like marketing materials or ads or whatever. What I tend to do first, before we get into a tactic, is get into trying to help clients establish a a little more strategic rigor and discipline upstream. So I usually ask them, why do you need a web, a new website? (laughs) Why do you need a brochure? We want to apply the creative to their business in the place that has the most impact. So I can definitely apply my creative skills to making a new website for somebody I just don't know if that's going to have the most business impact for them. It depends on, you know, what the role of that particular tactic needs to do and needs to be about and why it exists. And, and so that is really what brand strategy is. Okay. Who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? And we really get into having a strategic rigor around answering those three, a sensibly pretty simple questions. 
because if you think about it, that's what your audience, that's how they interface with you. You know, it's like, who are you? What do you do? Why? And, and the why you do stuff isn't as direct or obvious, but it does power the charisma of your brand. It adds depth to people understanding who you are and what you stand for. No, that makes a lot of sense. And even if you kind of look at your own business, I mean, your tagline is world-class creative without the world-class overhead. And that immediately tells what you do and you know, partly who you work with, right? That, that immediately tells you you're not looking to work with, like you said, Anheuser-Busch because they have the world-class overhead and they don't need to you know, worry about that side of it. But most people don't, you know, so that is targeted towards them specifically. So that's cool. That makes a lot of sense. Right. That expresses to people, to a potential client of mine, of, of the audience I'm trying to talk to is that, you know, they, they definitely would like to access world-class creative, but a lot of times they think that that is going to be out of reach for them, either, you know, financially, budget-wise, or mm-hmm. just who they know. Yeah. So kind of talking about that transition of of moving from being an employee to these these large agencies, like you said, all the all the letters in Chicago, to yeah. being an entrepreneur. What what's that transition been like? And can you tell us about that process? It's a pretty significant change. So let me start with the way it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so the way it's it hasn't been is when you're working in on the creative side, you have to deal with a lot of ambiguity and a lot of deadlines and know a lot of unknowns and and figuring stuff out so that part kind of stayed the same having to operate within you know the structure of a pretty big agency and also within a lot of the agencies a lot of the big agencies are also subsequently all owned by holding you know a handful of holding companies and you know frankly where I started to lose my interest and kind of patience with the business was moving into in the leadership positions and managerial positions where most of my time was spent trying to navigate between first a significant sized agency and then within a broader bigger holding company network you know that's just a personal thing for me i just found that not fun like i said earlier i enjoyed you know kind of the creative problem solving part of this business. So that, that getting back to that and getting that as the kind of core of, of what I do was a great transition into a more entrepreneurial position. The part that obviously I didn't have in my skill set was, you know, you mentioned CFO. I'm now my own CFO. Mm-hmm. I'm now in my own new business prospecting person. I have to do, you know, all the financial stuff for my business. I got to get insurance. <laughs> you yeah, know, I, have, right. I have to do those practical things. <laughs> I have to wear a lot of different hats. And it's funny, my wife gave me, I have a bunch of baseball hats and she brought up to my office like four or five different baseball hats and just said, like, you're going to have to, you should literally <laughs> change these hats when you're moving out of creative mode into your <laughs> accountant mode. Yeah. Trying to have fun with that. That was a pretty big transition. And then, you know, at first, this was over two and a half years ago, you know, working out of my house versus going downtown every day was, was a pretty big 
change, but now everybody's in that boat with the pandemic. So everybody's working out of the house now, but Hmm. that was, that was a change. And I I like working by myself. I don't mind that at all. I I tend to be a little more introverted, so I like it, but to learn how to do that and work out of the house, that that was a pretty significant transition for sure. Hmm. You were on top of it before it got popular, but <laughs> no, I, I like the hat analogy and the joke that your wife was doing, but I think that actually has a lot of reality behind it because it's so hard as a business owner to switch those hats, to completely move out of, all right, I'm in marketing mode. I'm trying to build content or I'm trying to find prospective clients. All right, now I'm going to move to building the business, the processes or, or building out procedures or now I'm going to move to, like you said, the financial side, that's so hard to do to completely flip those and make sure you're having time for all those. So the the hat idea is funny, but honestly, when you said that, I was like, that's not a bad idea. You know, like have a very physical representation. All right. I'm now moving roles as a business owner. So that's funny. Yeah, no, it, it just is one of those, a little bit of a joke, but a kind of a smart way to set up. And, and it goes also to setting up some work from home boundaries as well. So boundaries in terms of, okay, from this time to this time, I'm going to be in creative problem solving mode, then I'm going to go into doing the bills or whatever. (laughs) I found that, at least for me, setting up office hours keeps the work from bleeding all over the nights and the weekends. You know, one of the biggest changes for me when I moved to working from home at the beginning was the weekend didn't seem really that different from the week. I mean, it was such a difference when I would get on the train and go downtown and work all week and then come come home for the weekend. But when you're working out of the house, it was like, okay, why is Saturday any different than Thursday, right? Right. Yeah, and you're getting into, into the next question I was going to ask already, so that's a great transition. But, you know, you and I both do work from home. If we had video on, you'd see Dan has like this nice well-lit space with some instruments in the background. It looks very productive and peaceful. And then I'm in kind of a spare bedroom. So it doesn't look quite like that. It's a little darker, not, not so great. But Dan, what tips can you give people who are, are working from home? Because like you said, you know, you were doing this before. You know, we had, had some people working virtually before, but now with the pandemic, it's, it's very common. For someone who's still trying to kind of adjust to this working from home life and, and work cycle, you mentioned a couple already, but what other insights can you give into how to make that productive and how to make that make sense for you and, and your family? Yeah, so a couple things. And again, this is just what is what has seemed to work for me and ha- again, happened pre-pandemic, but seemed to work. And it's kind of to oversimplify and this. I didn't come up with this right away. You know, this took maybe six months of figuring it out. But I I would say boundaries and transitions. And what I mean by that is, you know, having a space where you can, if you can, you know, I know not not everybody can do this, but even if it's a part of your room that is where you do your stuff. You know, my, my kids are older and have moved off to college. So now I have a little extra space that I can take over and turn into like a studio space. And I also do music. So I need the I need the physical space to to have the instruments. But the point being is having a physical space that is the work area. <laughs> you right. know, that, that's where you go to do your work. And then what I mean by transitions is even if your commute is down the hallway or 
or down the basement or up to the upstairs, having, okay, here, I'm going to have a transition into going into work. And also at the end of the day, what I do at the end of the day is instead of getting on the train and going home and kind of transitioning, having that kind of mental transition and downtime, I, I take my dog for a walk now at like the end of the day. Hmm. And that's just kind of my decompress, yeah. get it, you know, come back. And then, you know, sometimes you have to work at night. I mean, that we all do. Right. But for the most part, I try to, put the pencils down at that point and call it a day, but it's just a little ritual. So, you know, having those rituals and boundaries and places and and you don't have to have a lot of space and it doesn't have to be a long transition, but I found those things help. That's a really great insight. I might have to copy that from you in some way, but yeah, I I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, drawing those borders is really important because like you said, the work's always right there. It's always really easy just to go off and, you know, do a, do an hour, do a couple hours. And like you said, sometimes you do need to do that, especially yep. when, when you're growing a business, but also to have a healthy balance and, and make sure you're taking care of yourself. You do have to have some pretty, pretty strong boundaries too. Cause otherwise, like you said, all the days start feeling the same and it's a little hard to get out of that cycle. So I love that. Well, Dan, yeah. this has been really great content. Thanks for coming on the show with us today. Yeah, no, Nate, like I said, I appreciate you asking me to be on it. I'm flattered to be included and it's exciting to talk to you and fun to talk to a fellow entrepreneur. So yeah, definitely. Well, I will definitely have your information, Dan, below the podcast. So our listeners can, can check out your services, check out more of what, what you're doing. I mean, your services are, are so powerful, I think for small businesses, especially for people like me or uh, maybe even people not as creatively challenged as me, but people who just need some some strategy and some creative insight. And so we'll have all of your information so people can check check you out. Check out Lotus Coterie on the website on LinkedIn and all that good stuff and go from there. So thank you again. And thanks again, listeners, for checking out Navigating Business. We will see you next week on the podcast. Mm-hmm.